very glad you're here. Hello, Elevate family. Those of you that are part of our Elevate family and those of you that are not, but we are so honored that you would take the time to watch uh, us and we are grateful and we believe without a doubt that God has something very special for you today as he does for all of us here in the room. So we're doing a series called Diversity. Bible tells us to speak a word in season. A word in season is like golden apples and is like golden apples and settings of silver. And so we've been talking a lot about the diversity within the church and how much Jesus loves diversity. And we're going to go at it one more time. So genetically, we're all humans, and we know this. Is this true? Can, no? What, no, you're like, dude, I'm an alien. I don't know about you, right? So genetically, all of us are humans, and all of us are created from a common source. We're all created from Adam and Eve. All of us. All of us. We come from Adam and Eve. And the Bible says this, Acts 17. He has made us all from one blood. Understand that? All human beings come from one blood source biologically. And in Christ, we come into another blood source spiritually. You understand that? So before, we're all born of Adam. But when we're born again, we're born of Jesus. So if we're unified as a human race, we're even more unified in Christ as sons and daughters. What do you want me to do? Flip it up. Flip up my microphone. Okay. So check like that. Is that good? Right? Always please the audio guy. Singers have been known to tip the audio guy to make sure that they're... Oh, I didn't, you know, Carmen didn't give me my coffee this morning. I'm going to have to turn her down a little bit. <laughs> We're made from one blood of every nation. He made everybody from one blood, every nation, men and women, to dwell upon the earth. And he's determined their pre-appointed times. This, this, this part of Acts is rich. He's determined the pre... So we all come from one blood and he's determined your pre-appointed times. You were born in this world, in this hour, for a reason. God appointed the times in which you would live. He also appointed the boundaries and the nations in which you were born. Even in, in, in the whole point that he did that is that so that men, would, men and women would seek the Lord in the hope that they would grow for him for he is not far from us. For in him we live, move and have our being. God established us. God brought us all from one blood. He's appointed us in this time for this reason. And he even established the boundaries or the nations in which we would be born. Even, uh, even in America, we have a tremendous, let me just comment on that. We have a tremendous opportunity to seek Jesus. This is a nation like no other. I don't know if you're aware of that. We're the only nation in the world. Only nation in the world, only nation in the world that guarantees religious assembly and it is not to be impeded upon. Only one. Article one of the Constitution. First thing the founding fathers of this nation did was establish the free expression of religion. There's no other nation that has that. It's unique. So in America, we have a tremendous opportunity to seek Jesus. We have a tremendous opportunity to find the Lord. And the problem with Americans is we take it for granted. We have a church on every corner. We have the gospel bombarding the airwaves. We have it on TV. We have it on the internet. It's all over the place. Yet we take it for granted. The light has never been brighter in this nation, yet our witness has never been dimmer. We take it for granted. It's true. Even you say, well, if God appointed us to live in this country so that we would seek him, well, we have the freedom to seek him. We're worried about these other nations that are oppressed. The oppression is to drive them for a source outside of themselves. You understand that? The oppression, even if somebody's born under communist regimes and there's a tremendous amount of downward pressure, it is to drive man beyond himself. 
The end of you is the beginning of Jesus. It's only when man is driven beyond himself that he actually looks for the Lord. It's only then. People don't come to Christ riding high. I don't know if you know that. They don't. There's somewhere in their life where there's a tragedy. There's somewhere in their life where there's a transition. There's somewhere in their life where something is changing or something has just shifted around. And then all of a sudden, when they're forced beyond themselves, then all of a sudden the gospel matters. You see it with Christians all the time. You have the faithful that honor the Lord in season and out. Then you have those who are like summer snow. They only come when the good times are rolling. Then you have the other group that only show up when they're in pain. You get it? Only when they're forced outside of themselves do people really seek the Lord. That's not his intention. That's just a human fact. But then we're faithful and we seek God in season and out. That's good news too. But God has appointed us to be in this hour. You have a mission in this hour. I don't know if you're aware of that. We live in turbulent times, shifting, all of these things. God has equipped you and destined you to be in this hour. It's true. One of the things the church needs to do in this hour is we need to reorient the conversation away from cultural language. That's a problem. When the church speaks cultural language, it's a problem. We're not to speak cultural language. We speak kingdom language. We don't speak, we don't come from a a cultural mindset. We come from a kingdom mindset. So I'm going to say something because I just want to wake you up a little bit. It's going to be a little controversial. So I'm going to let it marinate for a second. The word racism doesn't exist in the Bible. Just leave that out there. Let that marinate. Because God does not see us as individual races. We're from one blood. Where there's one race. Say it with me. There's one race. Those of you watching my home, there's one race, and it's the human race. There is no other race. There is none. We're one race. But what does exist in the scripture is the word prejudice. Prejudice means to prejudge, prejudicial. So prejudice exists, but racism does not. When the Bible uses the word race, it uses a Greek word called ethnos. Ethnos just means difference. That's all it means. So we are ethnically diverse. Right? I'm in a different ethnicity. This is a beautiful church. This is a kingdom church. We have ethnicities all over the place. It is so good. Jesus loves it. Jesus is into diversity. He loves diversity. Have you read what the kingdom's going to be like? Every tongue, every creed, every tribe, every nationality, every ethnos will be before the Lord. He's into it. He loves it. Racism doesn't exist, but prejudice does. And ready? Let's say this. Prejudice exists because sin exists. Right? This isn't a cultural problem. This is a sin problem. The church cannot speak the language of the culture. We have to speak the language of the gospel. We cannot speak the language of the culture. We have to speak the language of the kingdom. And the Lord would look at this problem and say, oh, he would never say you guys have a cultural problem. And I'm having a cultural problem with this microphone right now. <laughs> Sending alien messages and wants to jump off my ear. You need to work. I just lay hands on you right now. I declare you're going to work. So the, the church needs to speak. We need to speak from the kingdom perspective. God would never look at this hour and say, there's a cultural problem. He would look at this hour and say, there's a sin problem. Prejudice exists because sin exists. Sin does not exist in actions. It exists in actions. But say this with me. Sin is demonstrated through broken actions. But sin's root 
lies in the heart. That's right. The issue isn't our external actions. The issue is the heart. And unless the heart is changed, unless we realize where the problem is, we can pass all the laws we want. We can march. We can pray. I'm all in on all that. I'm not against any of that. But we're, 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 shake, we're swiping at branches. We're not dealing with the root of the issue. The root of the issue is sin. It's the root of all sin. It's the root of all prejudices. And prejudices come in every size. Ready? I'm going to offend you again. You ready? Say it with me. If Jesus is offending me, say this. If I'm offended, Jesus is working. Do you know why? Because he's a rock of offense. So I'm going to offend you again. Ready? All people are prejudiced. Why? Because all people are sinners. Now, I'm not talking about prejudicial based on skin color. That's one form of prejudice. There's prejudices based on culture. Now, don't get quiet on me. We're prejudiced based on opposite cultures. We live in Miami. Right? There's not a lot of cross-pollination between the Dominicans and the Cubans. There's, oh yeah, now you can laugh, right? There's not a lot of cross-pollination between the South Americans and the Caribbeans. They tend to not even associate with each other and tend to be judgmental towards each other. Come on! Because of the dialect of the language that they speak, because of the cultural differences that they speak, there's a prejudice that exists not just based on skin color. That's only one aspect, and I'm saying that's, that is one. But there's a prejudice that's based on culture, too. There's a prejudice that's based on status. We look down on people that don't make money, don't we? we don't drive the car we drive. Live and don't live in the neighborhood we live in. We look down on people and we have a prejudice against people because we're educated and they're not. Or I come from the school of hard knocks and I'm prejudiced against you snobby PhDs. It's a prejudice. And a prejudice is rooted in man's heart. Because man's, what sin does is it puts, it puts it back on yourself. Sin causes everything to come back upon you. And what happens is man's heart, because it's full of sin, becomes a gravity field of self. And everything becomes about self. Self-interest. Jesus said where the problem was. He said, out of the heart comes the evil. What? What? Are you kidding me? The heart is deceitful, Jeremiah says. Above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart in the flesh is not the, is, is, is got wickedness in it. Your heart before Christ has got a lot of wickedness in it. When you become born again, you, what does he give you? Anybody? He gives you a new what? A new heart. Doesn't he? You know why you need, you know why it gives you a new heart? Because you need a new heart. Because your heart is wicked. Your heart is corrupted by sin. Jesus points it out. Jesus didn't say all the wickedness comes from cultural identifications and systemic things. And he, he doesn't point out where the source of the problem is. He doesn't point to externals. If you read what Jesus says and where he tells you the problem is, wherever the problem is, it's rooted in sin. It's not rooted, it's, it, it manifests through systems, it manifests through society, it manifests through people. So sin manifests through systems of corruption, sin manifests through societies with corruption, sin manifests through people with corruption, but the root, you're looking at a tree, that's all we're doing. We're looking at a tree, anybody knows you cut the tree down, if you don't deal with the root, it's coming right back. You have to deal with the root. Jesus said the heart comes evil. Evil what? Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual defilement, immorality, theft, false witness, slander. 
All of these things that come forth from the heart bring the defilement upon the person. The issue is the heart. The issue is the heart. That's important. If you were here the last few weeks, what I told you is like, look, we're one in Christ, man. The Bible says if there's divisions and schisms among you, you are carnal. You are not mature. You are behaving like your former self. Jesus likes diversity. I love diversity. Jesus likes worship. I love worship. Whatever the Lord likes, I love it. I don't like it. I love it. If Jesus is in favor of it, I am in adoration of it. Because I want to give him everything that he asks for. It doesn't matter what it costs me. My life is unto him. Had a moment of reflection. We've all been having Charmaine had a moment of reflection. That was awesome, by the way. And I've been just talking to the Lord about my life and, you know, like just different places where you're at and you go through seasons of change and like what's happening now, this is a, everything, there's a change that's happening and there's a something else that's coming forth. And I believe a revival and awakening is going to come forth if the church will do its job. If the church will do its job and stop parroting cultural things and start speaking kingdom things, then change will come. We are not of this world, Christian. We're not. Our message needs to be sin. We need to acknowledge the wrongs in our world, but we need to point to the problem. The word sin has left the church. I'm serious. Watch. You don't ever hear the word sin. We never hear. These words are gone. It's as if once we came into the 21st century, these words evaporated. We don't, the church doesn't talk about the devil. The church doesn't talk about sin. The church doesn't talk about repentance. And the church doesn't talk about being born again. The very essence of the things that Jesus calls us to. That's what changes our hearts. Ezekiel 36 says, a new heart I will give you. I love it. I need a new heart. Can I have two? (laughs) A new heart. I need a new heart. Not just a new heart, but I'm going to give you my spirit. I will take away the stony heart. So the heart of new is to take away the stone and to give you a heart that is alive. I'm going to take away the dead heart that you have and I'm going to give you a heart that is alive. And he said, I'm also going to give you my spirit. And then he tells you what he gives the spirit, what he gives the spirit for. My spirit is given to you to cause you to walk in my statutes. You can have a new heart and the heart can be alive, but you have no ability to walk this out without the Holy Spirit. Christians can be born again, yet living in the same mindset as they were before they came to Christ. The Bible would call it a carnal Christian, a Christian who's converted and born again, yet chooses to live their faith in a fleshly way or not live their faith at all. You're living according to the concourses of the world. You're a carnal believer. You didn't say you're not a believer, but you're carnal. You're worldly. You're fleshly. The Bible calls that out all the time. And the only way that you get out of that carnality is to get into the spirit. So God gives us the spirit that we could come alive, alive to him, alive to us, alive to everything around us. But he gives us his spirit in order that we can walk this stuff out. We can't walk it out without the spirit. We have to be born again, been given a new heart. Everything passes away. We walk it out by the spirit. Say this with me. All are sinners. All must be born again. Yes. You're born of Adam, and Adam was a sinner. Sin is inherited upon the whole human race. All are born in sin. All must be born again. Not of the line of Adam, of corruption, but we're born again of incorruptible seed. Sinlessly, through the blood of Jesus, the Son of God. It's the bloodline transfer, because iniquity is issues in the bloodline. 
We're born of Adam. Therefore, we carry the iniquity of Adam in our blood, in our generations. We're born of the blood of Jesus. Therefore, we carry his righteousness in our blood. And so as a believer, you stand between two worlds. You're born again. Your eternal destiny is here. But you can choose to live like your old self. Come on. I know in Christians, we don't like to pretend that. Churches don't pretend that. We act like everybody's got to, oh, I'm saved. Oh, bless God, brother. Hallelujah. Everything's perfect in my family. Everything's perfect in my life. No fleshliness, no carnality at all. Really? We get a chance to live according to the flesh, or we can live according to the spirit. A sinner lives by sin because it's all they know. When people act, say it with me, when people that don't know Christ act like sinners, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Sinners sin. Why are we shocked? Sinners produce wickedness. Why are we shocked? The issue isn't the sin and the wickedness. The issue is the righteousness that we are supposed to proclaim. We have a job. The church has a job. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. Our voices need to be different than everything else that we're hearing. Because we speak from a higher standard. We speak from another world. We speak the compellingness of the heart of God. And when you speak the compellingness of the heart of God, people don't even know, but they're drawn to it. When you speak kingdom language, people are drawn to it. They don't even know why. Look at Jesus. People were attracted to him, drawn to him, couldn't get enough of him. Have you heard anything he said? He said some pretty direct things, didn't he? He told them they needed to repent. He told them they needed, but yet they, kept, they just were compelled to follow him. They didn't know Because the very desire of their heart was Him. We're made for the Lord. We're not made for this world. The presence of God was in their midst and they were drawn to Him because the presence and the atmosphere of heaven had come. In His words, in His deeds, in His heart. And how was He able to do that? By the Spirit of God. We are to be, we we have a job to do. In our job, we are ineffective. If the salt loses its savor, it's what? Good for nothing. Worthless thrown out into the street and trampled underfoot, worthless. It treated as common. That's the better way of, that's one way of looking at it. If the salt will not do its job, it will be treated as common. We're not common. We have a job. So in this hour, what is the church's job? Is to acknowledge the injustices throughout the world. To acknowledge the spiritual wickedness that exists in high places. Really? Don't we have, don't we have verses on that? How is this systemic evil able to be tolerated? Listen, there's systemic evil across the world, everywhere. We're just focusing on one area of systemic evil. There's systemic evil across the globe. And what is it? We have the answer. You know we have the answer? Well, people, we just need to make some laws and pass some governmental changes. That's what needs to happen. It's not going to do anything. You cannot constrain a wicked heart with externals. You cannot. You can transform the heart by the power of the spirit. But external boundaries will not only do it for a time. You cannot constrain somebody by laws. They're not even enforcing the laws. There are laws, but they're not being enforced. So no matter what law you pass, a wicked heart will always jump the the laws. It doesn't matter. There's systemic injustice across the world and in all of these levels. And where does it come from? It comes from a sinful heart. That's where it comes from. And it's spiritual wickedness in high places. Does the Bible tell us to do anything about spiritual wickedness in high places? Who's supposed to do something about the spiritual wickedness in high places? Who? Who? Your Congress? Your Senator? Your Mayor? Your City Commissioner? We're supposed to form a committee 
And we're, and that committee is going to deal with spiritual wickedness in high places. You and I deal with spiritual wickedness in high places. We are the ones empowered with authority. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We are to wage weaponized warfare in the spirit. We don't know what we're doing, but Jesus does. True. We have an The church has a responsibility. We're the salt of the earth. The salt is the preservative of the meat. I would tell you that the weakness within the culture and the chaos within the culture and the rioting and the nonsense and the injustice and the wickedness that exists in the culture is because the church isn't doing its job. I'm just serious. I know I'm going to offend everybody. My wife doesn't like me doing it, but when I come up here, the anointing is on me and it just comes out. I come, I'm in the car and I'm like, I'm going to be nice pastor today. And the fire just flows. And I'm like, I, you know, if I don't say it, then I get in the car and go home. And Jesus is like, now why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you say that when I told you to say that? I was afraid. The church needs to do its job. We capitulate. We capitulate. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about pastors. People are, I, I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. It's not the people. It's the pastors. When there's weakness in the pulpit, there will be weakness in the church. Period. When there's weakness in the pulpit, there will be weakness in the church. The church is not a... It doesn't matter if you look around and say, oh, the church is weak because its leaders are weak. We want to please everybody. We want to be a good witness to our government. And a good witness... We need to love our neighbor. We need to do our job. Jesus said, be careful when all men, when, when all men speak well of you. <laughs> you need to be aware... When everybody has something good to know and they have something good to say about you, Jesus tells you you're not doing your job. The church is so worried about offending anyone. We're so worried when we serve a God who calls himself the rock of offense. You know what the rock of offense means? Smiting stone. It's the Greek word scandalon. And it is a striking stone. Jesus is a stone that strikes the culture. Jesus is a stone that strikes man's arrogance. Jesus is a stone that strikes the perspective that people have. He's a smiting stone. Those who fall upon that smiting stone will be broken. But if that smiting stone falls on you, you will be crushed. And you will be disintegrated. There will be nothing left of you. Mankind has an opportunity to come to Christ. But if we do not speak an offensive gospel, people will not come to Jesus. If you don't know Christ in your heart, you're not okay. You're lost. You're lost. You cannot save yourself. Jesus died for the whole world, therefore we're all saved. No, we're not. You must repent. You must believe in your heart and you must confess with your mouth. And if you do not, you are lost. You are damned. It is a damnable heresy. It is a damnable sword that we speak to a culture that tells them they're okay when they're not. That is a damnable heresy. God said to Ezekiel, if I tell you to warn the sinner and you don't, his, war, his blood I will require of you. If I have told you to tell a culture they are lost and you don't, his bad blood I will require of you. Is that sobering? It should be. We need to preach the gospel. We need to bring the kingdom. We need to stop tiptoeing and dancing. Are you happy with us? Are you ha- Who cares if you're happy with you? This is the leadership that has to take place. What happens among the people is irrelevant. 
You know what John Wesley said? John Wesley said, if you want to light a church on fire, start the fire in the pulpit. He said, if you want a church that burns with the glory of God, light the fire behind the book. You want to know there's no fire? Because we're all just champions for Jesus. We don't want to offend anyone. We want to be good neighbors. You can be good neighbors and at the same time bring the gospel. You can feed the poor all you want. And I'm all in on feeding the poor. But if you do not tell people they're sinners and there's no message of conviction upon the heart, it's meaningless. Meaningless. And I could articulate that in a bigger way, but that's not my message at all. We must be born again. There are prejudices all over the place. We're sinners, man. We're sinners. Systemic injustice, when it's revealed, should provoke the church to righteousness. We should go back to what we know is right, and we should go, wait a second, what's going on here? The, the conversations, and this is what the church, we just all need to have a conversation together. No, we don't. Yes, I'm all in. We can have a conversation. We can all build a campfire and have a kumbaya. But at the end of the day, the kumbaya is not going to save it, not going to change anything. We all need to listen to each other. No, we all need to do what's right. Listening is irrelevant. Do what's right. Do what's just. The Christian needs to get in the spirit and start practicing their faith. We wear camouflage. Weakest generation. I'm going to give you something the Lord told me. The Lord told me. The Lord told me this. And if you're watching, somebody needs to write this down. You need to imprint this upon your soul. When you come before Jesus, Hebrews tells us that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The Vikings used to say that when they go before Valhalla, they go before their fathers. They go before all who went before them. And so when they died, they wanted to die in in bravery. Because they didn't want to mark upon them that they died in weakness. You understand that? We're going to go before a hall of faith, Christian. You will stand before the great assembly. You will. The, The crowd of witnesses will surround this generation. What will our testimony be? We'll go before a generation that was torn by lions. We'll go before people that were sawn asunder between the porch and the altar. They did not love their lives unto death. They gave everything. They would not capitulate their faith no matter what. And what's ours? What will the testimony be of this hour of this church? Not our church, but this church of the generation. What will the church testimony be of this generation? We're going to go before an assembly and we're going to stand before those people. And they're going to look at you and you're going to go, what did you do? We raised the right flag. We waved the white flag. Everybody liked us. Woo-hoo. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is weak. Our testimony in these times, turbulent times, are tremendous opportunities for the gospel. Huge. Right now, the the world's looking for hope, and who has it? We do. We do. Charmaine was right on the money. The world's looking for an answer. Jesus is the answer. And what we do is we just join the culture and join their parade. I'm all in. Again, it's not about marching. It's not about protest. It's not about any of that. If you want to do that, then I'll like go prayer walk. That's all, that's all wonderful. But you cannot exclusively do that. We have to do the main thing. And the main thing is the gospel. There, that is the resolution to all of the world's problems. Being born again. You must be born again. Say this with me. Jesus is into diversity. <laughs> Adam and Eve, were, the, were the, uh, they were created with the seeds of diversity within them. You understand that? This is a common question. Well, if we all come from Adam and Eve, then why do we have so many different skin colors? You ever heard that? You ever thought about that? 
So here's the deal. God's into diversity. We all come from one, one, one race. We're all human race. There's something in your, there's a pigment in your skin called melanin. Melanin, <laughs> like melon ice cream, man. I want some melon. That's what it reminds me of, like short, sor- sorbet. In melanin, there are six different genes within melanin. And those six different genes in combination, like panatone, creates the spectrum of color. You know how you mix colors together? And you can, you know, panatone color. Some of you artists here, hex colors if you're a web designer. Hex colors, panatones are made. Uh, colors are made. There's like primaries. But then when you combine colors, you get a new color. These genes in the melatonin coming in when they're in different combinations create different colors within the skin. All of us have melanin in our skin and all of us in that melanin, there are six genes in melanin. So when a baby is conceived, he carries with him half that from his mother, half that from his father. And that combination reflects the skin tone of the child. Children with differing combinations, gene mutations, so the gene actually mutates, it alters or it expands, it doesn't evolve. The changing, here's what, here's what a gene mutation is, right? This is the genetic definition. I'm not a geneticist, I just play one on TV, that's all. <laughs> but geneticists would describe it this way. The changing of the structure of a gene resulting in a variant form that's transmitted to subsequent generations caused by an alteration of a single base unit in the DNA or the deletion or insertion or rearrangement of larger sections of the genes in the chromosome. So basically what it's saying is that the gene can alter itself and still stay the same way. It's still, you know, it's still, you're still human. So any mutations never takes you into, makes you a dog. It just makes you, it just mutates. So the genes within, the mutation within the, uh, the melanin also causes a variation in skin colors. High concentrations of equal genetic combination produces an equal result. So where am I going with this? Stay with me. Biblical declaration of ethnicity, it began at the Tower of Babel. So at the Tower of Babel, we have, this is after the flood. So Noah, there was a flood. Anybody know that? There was a flood, okay? It was a global flood. It was a worldwide flood. Not get into that. Every time I get into this stuff, I want to start teaching on the flood. I'm like, not going there. However, when the flood was over and the ark came to rest, Noah and his three sons and their wives, there were eight people that came out of the ark. And from, so we come from Adam, then, there, then we have the flood. And of the three sons of Noah, these were those who, from whom the whole earth was populated. So from that family of eight, Noah, three sons with their wives, God began to repopulate the earth. And what happened was they all stayed together and they began to build a tower. What they were doing is they were declaring themselves God. the guy who was forming a new religion. He was declaring himself to be God and they were building a tower and a temple to heaven. That was the whole point. And they were working with a common language and a common purpose. The Lord came down and just confused their languages. And from there, the Lord scattered them all over the earth. So what you're seeing happen here is you have these, the, all of these people from the time of the flood forward come together and start doing something. And the Lord scatters them. And so they, they, all, they all of a sudden, their language stops speak, they stop speaking the same language. And they're kind of like, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? And so now I go running around looking for somebody who can speak blah, 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 blah. And so pretty soon all of the people that speak blah, 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 start clustering together because they can understand each other. And then all the people that are speaking Hindi can cluster together. All the people that are speaking Spanish can speak culture together. All of the Spanglish speakers culture, uh, come together. Everybody comes together and they start forming groups, right? 
And now there's diversity. There's a diversity of language. And from the diversity of language, the people that were diversified by language at the tower now began to migrate and populate the earth. As they migrated, they took with them specific genetic combinations. You understand that? People began to migrate. You're not, I'm going to show you a migrating map and where the, where the different skin cones are throughout the earth and where the dominant skin tones are throughout the earth. There was a migration that happened. A forced migration based upon language. And so they migrated and they took with them specific gene combinations and those combinations had melanin. They developed a predominant skin color based upon the region where they were. So like if you look at uh, Iceland, this is a classic example. Ethiopia, certain parts of Africa, communities that still to this day remind, remain virtually isolated. You see a dominant skin tone. You see dominant facial features. You see dominant hair color. If you go to Iceland, everybody's almost everybody there is blonde haired and blue eyed. Sardinia, off the coast of Italy, another place that's been isolated. A lot of blonde Italians, blonde gypsies, blonde Italians, right? And it's because they, they, when they migrated to those places, they took with them a set of genetic combinations. And over time, because there was no, inter, there was no crossing of the genetics, that it, it became very isolated. So go to the next slide. Next slide. Okay, so here's the melanin. This is the panatone of the melanin. This is the combination. So Adam and Eve had six chromosomes. Each one of them had six chromosomes. So they had six color combinations. And so there's different, there's different color combinations. So you would have something that looked like this. Where am I? It looks like this. So let's say, uh, go back two slides. Go back one more. I'm trying to teach you. Just think college. <laughs> is that it? No, go back. Go, where am I? Go forward one more. There it is. So this is Adam. So geneticists will tell you, so these are, let's just say these are six chromosomes, A's and B's. So you have capital A's, capital B's. And so Adam and Eve were believed to be middle brown because a middle brown combination of melatonin looks like that. And a combination of middle brown. So if you're middle brown, if you're got, got a good tan to you, you're, you're close to the original. Actually, that's the most dominant part of our, all of the earth. The majority of the earth is middle brown. Right? And so as the melatonin and the genes within the melatonin combine, they begin to speak, they begin to create a variation of spectrum. So black, like deep black would be on that end of the spectrum and white, almost albino would be on that end of the spectrum. And then everybody in between would be some variation of that. Do you understand what I'm talking about? As the, as the, as, but God created mankind with the potential to create diversity within the skin color. This is by design. This is, this is what the Bible says. What Darwinian theory, the theory of evolution says, is that we've all evolved. And, we are, and we're all at different stages of evolution. In other words, there's an inequality among humankind. It's demonic not what God says. All were created equal, equal in value, equal in worth. We're not ascending. We're ascending spiritually, but we're not ascending biologically. And so this is the idea. Go, now go forward two slides. Go to the panatone thing. All right. So those combinations of AB, and you can just see it like just in, 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 in two. So if they only combined AB twice, this is the color spectrum that they would get. If they combined it in six genes, you're going to have variations of all kinds of these shades. All of them, all different kinds of shades. Go to the next slide. 
This is basically, so you can see here where the skin tones have come from. When the ark came down, it came down at Mount Ararat. So if you can see where the, where the ark is. So the ark comes down, the eight families go out, they begin to disperse among the nations. And you can see that the band right here is almost all middle brown. But as mankind began to move out through over the earth, you can see that as they go further north, it gets whiter and whiter. As they went south, it got darker and darker because of the migrating families of people. That's really what it was. They were just clusters of people and they kept replicating this same, this same genetic tone to the skin. Does this make sense? I, I trust you're smart people. So that's why I'm trying to talk to you like you're actually smart because I believe you are. Next slide. Look at this. Look at this brother here. That child, that's her child. Is that crazy? Yeah. These two girls are sisters. They're sisters. Look at this guy. This family right here. Those are twins. Is that nuts? The, about the ability, it's not, it's not like this guy right here. I'm sure he had to go and say, where's the milkman, man? I need to look at that. Get him over here. <laughs> so my point to this is that you can see that there's a diversity, and that diversity is inbuilt within us. It's inbuilt within what we, who we are. It's crazy. Like this right here freaks me out. Look, I mean, look at those girls. I mean, you want to talk? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're twins. Those are twins. This chick is on the Nordic. She's on the whole other side. She's more in the middle brown zone, so she's kind of in the middle brown zone, and she is on the other end of the spectrum. There's another one that I was going to show you. I didn't put it up. There's a couple more I was going to put up. There's one with a cover of, um, uh, on National Geographic. And you see a black girl with like, you know, long hair. And there's a white girl with like long hair. And they're sisters. They're twins too. She's blonde hair, blue eyed. I think this baby has blue eyed. And he and the, and the other sister is dark skinned, dark complected. There's another image of two twin brothers and the one guy, the one brother is probably as deep on the spectrum of the black side as you can possibly be. And his twin brother, this isn't him, but she, it was just a really pretty girl. So I just put her up there. She's a cute girl. So the, the, her, his brother is albino. It's on the complete end. So here's these guys that are twins. And the one brother is born on this side of the spectrum. And the other brother is born, it has the skin color of the complete furthest end of the spectrum. Yet their twins came from the same womb, came from the same genetic base, came from the same color, everything. Isn't that wild? What's my point? We're all one. We're all one. The only thing that the things that separate us are nothing more than skin deep. This isn't an issue of race. God didn't make races. He made a race. And in the race, he created an intentional diversity. And because of the intentional, because of the sin that is in the heart, the sin that is in the heart creates a prejudice for anything and anyone that's not like you. Which again points back to sin, which again points back to selfishness. This makes sense to you. We're all one. So what does that mean? We need to start treating each other with equal value and worth. Why? Because God treats you with equal value and worth. Doesn't he? All can come to Christ. All are equal before him. All are, here's, here's Jesus' viewpoint. Before me, after me. When he, looks at, at, when he looks at mankind before him, he sees nothing but sinners. When, they, when you come to Christ, no matter what your skin color, your cultural background, or your language, when you believe in Christ, you're sons and daughters. We're all sons and daughters here. All of us. 
born together by the blood of Jesus, united in family with a common purpose and a common good. Racism, the language of racism, should not exist within the church. We have to redeem our language. The church does not need to even use the word racism. Why? We need to use the word prejudice. And we need to use the word sinful prejudice against another of differing skin color. That's an acceptable thing. Prejudice against someone of a different economic status. That's a prejudice. There's all of these prejudices. And the reason we don't use the word racism because A, it's cultural. B, it's rooted in evolution. Darwin was the one who, and I'm going to give you a quote. Darwin was the one who came up with this whole idea of the diversity of races. The Bible doesn't say it. And if we're Christians, we don't say what the culture says. We say what the Bible says. That is extremely important. We are of the kingdom culture, not the world's culture. So our language is based on a prejudicial viewpoint that's rooted in sin. This isn't about differences of races. Men is all, we're all one. All of us. We got to get that. We got to stop talking with divisive language. I had a big comment on somebody's page because they were using this language of, of, you know, race. And I'm like, dude, there's no, it doesn't exist in the scripture. Why do you keep pushing this? It's as if white evangelicals, black evangelicals, Latino evangelicals, Asian evangelicals. No, we're not, we're none of that. We're all evangelicals. We're all Christians. We're all good. We, that we are. And if we can't see each other outside of our sectarianism, then we're immature. And the Bible says you're behaving like your former, former self. First Corinthians 3, 3. If you can't see people and the value and worth that Jesus has put upon them, and all we do is divide. <laughs> that's why, that's why this is, again, this is a divisive thing that's not in the scripture. We have cultural churches based upon ethnic groups. We do. We have a Cuban church. We have a Dominican church. We have an Ecuadorian church. We have a Colombian church. We have a Venezuelan church. We have an Irish church. We have a German church. We have a, you know, I don't know, pick you pick one. None of that's in the Bible. None of it. I understand we should assemble with language because that's the common thing. I get that. I get that. But we should not assemble based upon that. We should assemble the, the diversity and the, the beauty of the kingdom is reflected in the potpourri that Jesus creates. We're better together than we are separate. We need each other. We take great value in each other. We should take racism as a construct of evolution. Ready? Ready? So even when we use this language, this is rooted in 1859 when Darwin did the origin of species. Where does this come from? Where does this whole idea of racism? Do you know that communism is rooted in the doctrine of Darwinism based upon ethnic, uh, on, on uh, racist, racism? It's been used by all kinds of wicked people to bring division into a society. The message, even in this hour, is that we, I mean, if we can, if there's a cultural message, it's like, look, we're all Americans. We need to work together to solve our problems. If the church has a message, it's like, yeah, we're all Americans, but we're all sinners. And we need to get Jesus in our hearts so that we can truly transform. We need to bring the ethic and the power of the gospel to our culture. There's, the, the messaging has to change. It, it just does. Biological arguments for racism may have been common before 1859, but they increased by order and magnitude. Say it with me. Racism increased by order and magnitude following the acceptance of the evolutionary theory. That's right. Evolution is straight from hell. It is seated in demonic viewpoints and it is against the Lord. 
There is no science at all to prove it. None. No matter what they say, it's all lies. It's a house of cards. There's nothing behind it. Somebody here has been taught to evolution. Ask your teacher if you can combine amino acids. You cannot. If I came from a monkey, then I should be able to take my amino acids and put them into a monkey because we're coming from a common source. But you can't. If I put amino acids into a monkey, pick anyone, an orangutan, I don't care, pick a gorilla, silverback, you know. Put my amino acids in a silverback, that silverback's going to drop dead. Put the amino acids of a silverback in a human, that human's going to drop dead. Because the amino acids are not the same. The amino acids are the building blocks of life. That's the foundation of all life is, is the combination of amino acids. Yet if we are biologically from a monkey, our amino acids should be able to be combined, and they cannot. Biology declares that evolution is a lie. They know it's a lie. Science proves evolution. They're they're based upon a faulty science. Yet, I can take my white uh, amino acids and combine them with uh, Indian, uh, a black person, uh, uh, Chinese, I mean anyone. We can combine our amino acids together and they match. Because we're biologically the same. We're all biologically human from a common source. We did not evolve. We did not. We need to, we got, this is, this is the whole basis of all of these things that have happened. The Soviet Union purged, did a huge purging of their nation under, under Stalin. And they did it under the guise, uh, if you really want the truth, all communism itself is based upon evolutionary theory. Communism, one of the pillars of communist thought is, is Darwinism. 100%. Hitler did it. We all know that. That was an ethnic cleansing. And he used Darwin as a theory to produce and to subdue and to create a master race, but also to destroy what he decided was weaker races. Stalin murdered countless numbers of people, his own people, because they were tribally different, ethnically different. One of the biggest murderers in, the, in history was Stalin. Then what do we have? We have the, what is it, the Khmer Rouge? Same principle. What were they doing? They were not murdering other Thais. They were not murdering other Cambodians. They were not murdering other Vietnamese. They were murdering those who they felt were not ethnically, or who they felt were ethnically superior. And in their mind, they wouldn't even use the word ethnic, racially inferior. We had genocides all over the world based upon, based upon a Darwinian theory. And what it does is it creates a division. The language cannot be division of races. We have a unity of races, but a diversity of people. We're all human. You understand that? Camille Rouge was, again, brutal. Brutal. I had a lady cut my hair. You'll like this one. I had a lady cut my hair one time, and she started telling me about her friends, her parents that swam the river to escape the Camille Rouge. I think they were Thai, and Camille Rouge were Cambodian, and they were living in Cambodia, wherever it was they were living. But because they were not of that, the Camille Rouge wasn't just saying, hey, go home. They were killing them. Mass murdering based upon what they view as racism. The kingdom mindset is that we regard all people with, with equal value and worth. That's the way we think. We're supposed to think on earth as we is in heaven. So are we Christians? Let's ask this question first. Are we believers and followers of Christ? That's question one. And this is where you're supposed to say yes. Okay, yes, exactly. So if we're followers of Christ, then we are to, we're supposed to operate by the mind of Christ. Our thinking and our will is not based upon human thought and human will. It's based upon heavenly thought and heavenly will. So we must think from the mind of Christ. What is God's mind towards mankind? I just told you. All of us are equal with value and worth. Yet we're, we're ethnically diverse. 
it's okay. We treat each other. The Lord does not see the see, see as man sees. Here's the deal. Man sees the what? The hour. What does the Lord see? The heart. So we're all looking at each other for, on externals. That's because we're sinners. We can't see anything past the flesh because we're so bound to the flesh. So all of our perspectives and our thinking comes from the flesh. And everything, and, all, and that's all of our mentality is fleshly. Lord isn't even looking at the flesh. He didn't care if you have short hair, long hair, or no hair. It doesn't matter to him. He's looking at the heart. And when he looks at the heart, he wants to know one thing. Are you converted or are you not? Do you have the new heart or do you not? That's the thing he's looking at. He's looking at the heart. So God's not judging people or looking at people and even seeing that kind of diversity. This is, again, this is a product of our sinfulness and we need to understand it. Born again, walk in the spirit. This is, this is the kingdom mindset. If you're born again, you must begin to walk in the spirit. Begin to walk in the spirit. If you want to know how love flows, love flows from the spirit. Love's not going to flow on Monday morning when, you, when, when it's you. Love's not flowing through, I'm going to use them all so that I don't offend anybody. You know, some things I don't mind. But this, this, and love's not going to flow through MSNBC, CNN, Fox News. Uh, I don't even know. I think those are the big ones. But don't, love, love's not, if you want to get, you want to get in the mind of love you know, that, and you start programming yourself with that when you, show, when you wake up in the morning, there's not a lot of love flowing for you, is there? Love flows when you're worshiped. Then love's flowing. Love flows when you, when, you, when you connect to the Lord. So this is where it is. So born again, walk in the spirit and have an intentional attitude and treat people with honor and value. Hmm? Next slide. So in regards to what happened to the guy that was killed, right? What happened was, is this police officer prejudged that guy. You understand that? He had prejudged him. He prejudged him based upon a variety of factors. Prejudged him based upon things that he had maybe, they say they knew each other. I don't know, but this is, I don't, I don't really know. But he probably prejudged him based upon previous encounters. He prejudged him based upon his skin color. He prejudged him based upon his economic status. He prejudged him basically, or, or, or possibly on the, on the issue of, uh, of um, uh, uh, you know, maybe crimes or actions that he had committed before. Do you understand that? It was a prejudged action. It was a prejudiced action. Am I making sense? Okay, I know it's getting quiet in here. This is a touchy subject. Paul says this, we have an issue with ourselves. There's another law in our members that wars against the laws of our mind. And it brings us into captivity, the law of sin. So we have this part of us that wars against us, even as Christians. How do we get out of this? We get out of this by... Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How do, we, how do we get out of, even as Christians, how do we fulfill the law of the Spirit? We walk in the Spirit as He is in the Spirit. We fulfill the love of God by being in the Spirit. When, when you're in this world and you're in this culture and you're having a difficult time and you're struggling through some of these circumstances, there's a lot of chaos going on, right? A lot of chaos. And everybody wants to pick a side. Isn't that, isn't that what's going on? Everyone wants to pick, you know whose side you should pick? Jesus. Exactly. That's the question we need to ask. What side is the Lord on? What side is he on? Lord's, say the Lord's on the side of justice. Yes, he is. But the Lord's not on the side of division. He's on the side of unity. He's on the side of diversity. All of these things. And we have to come with the mind of the Lord and not the mind of the culture. The reason that there's so much confusion even among the Christian and how they're supposed to act is because there's confusion in the pulpit. There's no, there's no right messaging being spoken to. Sin is everywhere. 
Sin is everywhere. Everywhere. This is an injustice in our country. But do you know how many injustices go unanswered around the world? I'm not diminishing this. I'm not diminishing the pain. I'm not diminishing all of it. We should be upset about this. You hear me? We should be upset about this. We should be upset about a lot of things. But yet we're silent on so many other injustices. And so if it's going to provoke us onto a place where we're going to be vocal about justices, then let's take it a little further and let's start being vocal about other injustices. Let's be vocal about the, about the, the things that go on. And, you know, I mean, the, the whole Hutu and Tutsi thing that took place in Africa. 800,000 Africans were murdered. The UN and the United States, nobody did anything. Hundreds of thousands of people were butchered ethnically. They were Hutu tribe, murdered the Tutsi tribe, or one way or the other, but they murdered them. Went on for three weeks, nobody did a thing. Did nothing. Khmer Rouge lasted 30 years. Nobody did anything. You know, nobody did anything. We need to speak up and we need to begin to change the, the culture within our country. But the change the culture within our country, it has to begin with some form of revival. And the only way that revival is going to, revival is not going to come. The gospel is not going to come through the government. The gospel is not going to come through the news media. The gospel is only going to come through the churches. And we have to understand what's going on here. And we have to view this not as not just a cultural problem, but as a sin problem. This is a sin problem. And the only way that we can get out of the sin problem is through repentance. Repentance. I did my best. I tried to juggle hand grenades. I'm juggling hand grenades. Hopefully this won't blow my arm off. <laughs> Amen. So those of you that are watching, if you, need, if you don't know Jesus, there's no other answer but Jesus. No other answer. Jesus is the answer. And you need to know that without Christ you are lost and you can't save yourself. And if you're all caught up in the things that are going on in the world and you're aware of the world, all these things that are happening, nothing's going to change without a change of heart. And that change of heart begins with you. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody is right before the Lord. All of us have sinned and fallen short of His glory, His hopeful, good expectations and destiny. Sin has caused us to fall. The Bible says because we are fallen, the wages or the penalty of that sin is eternal separation. We're hopeless and helpless and we're lost. We cannot save ourselves. But the good news is that Jesus, the gift of God, is life eternal through Jesus Christ. You say, how do I get this gift? So Jesus is offering you a gift. He's offering you salvation. He's offering you a new heart this morning. And some of you are like, man, I need a new heart. I need a new beginning. Here it is. Here it is. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's risen from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. It's very simple. Jesus said you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. All of your heart. I will be found of you. We're searching for God in all of these other places. How about searching for him with his heart? Right now, Jesus, some of you are watching now and he's knocking at the door. You're feeling your heart beating. You want to get up and go to the kitchen? Don't go anywhere. Stay right where you are. This is for you. If your heart is beating and your palms are sweaty and you're looking for the door, that's because the Holy Spirit is calling you. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear that knock, hear that voice and open that door to him, the Lord says, I will come in. This is what it means to be born again. This is what Christians have that no one else has is that Christ lives in us. How can we know that Jesus is who he says he is? Because he lives in us. Can you explain that? No, I can't. 
but I can experience it. You might not, I may not even be able to explain it to you, but you can experience it. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus will come into your heart. He will change you. He will renew you. He will forgive you. He will lift you and he will set your life on another course entirely by power and supernatural. Say, how do I do it? You pray. We're going to pray here together. We're going to, everybody's going to bow their head. We're going to pray as one. Every Christian comes to Christ the same way. Every Christian must come the same way. We all come. All of us come the same way. We all have to bow. We have to offer the Lord our head, literally. The shoguns in Japan, when you would enter their houses, they always had a low door. And when you entered the house of a shogun, you had to come head first. You had to bow in reverence. You had to offer that king of your life. You had to put your life in his hands. That's what Jesus is calling for. And so we're going to pray. And if you're with us, you're just sitting in a room. You say, man, I got other people here. I'm feeling kind of weird. That's okay. Don't feel weird. Don't feel weird. If you're there and there's Christians in the room and somebody in that room wants to pray or they want to pray. If there's believers in the room and there's more than one of you, you all need to pray. You all need to pray. Because you don't know who's in that room that doesn't know Christ who has never done this. So this is the time to act holy. So we're going to pray together. Jesus is going to do the rest. Let's just pray. We're going to pray together. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior. And I need a Savior. I don't understand it, but I choose to believe it. So I open my heart to you, Jesus. And I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. In all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that for the first time or you renewed yourself, man, give us, shoot us an email. Come on, yeah. We want to know. Elevate Miami Church at Gmail. Love to bless you. Love to connect with you more. And for those of you that are here, we love you. We honor you. And there's always another blessing. Wait, there's more. May the Lord bless you. Come on, receive it. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Be afraid.